Blog Talk Radio. Give some more solidarity to that offensive line. Uh, that 
played okay. Uh, they they looked out of sync a lot of times, but they do have uh, just a third year in Ryan Kelly and then a, a rookie and uh, the guy from Notre Dame. So, you know, the, the offense line it looks much better, but it's going to still take some time for that cohesiveness to set in. Uh, getting Costanzo back, of course, will be helpful. Uh, he um, So practicing full definitely looks like he'll be back for week two. Uh, the Colts had to start Joe Haig at uh, left tackle, Jamarcus Webb on the right side. Uh, Webb is not injured and on IR, so that shows you how bad he played. Getting Costanzo back is definitely huge, uh, absolutely. And Panthers will lose right tackle Daryl Williams. He's now on injured reserve with a knee injury. Williams injured his MCL and kneecap over the summer and wasn't able to make it through a full game week one before injuring the same knee. He needs surgery and will miss at least the next eight games. The Panthers signed veteran offensive tackle Chris Clark on Wednesday and may be forced to play him. The Bucks select send slot cornerback uh, Vernon Haygraves on injury reserves uh, with a torn labrum in his shoulder, so his season is, is over. Hargraves was getting a second opinion from Dr. James Andrews on Wednesday, so the Bucks evidently didn't get a great news on the former first-round pick. Hargraves played well in the opener against the Saints, which he should because he's a good player, before going down in his Bucks' top slot corner. His absence leaves Ryan Smith, Carlton Davis, and M.G. Stewart at corner until Brent Grimes can get healthy. Hargraves will have to spend at least the next eight games on IR before he can return. Big news is Kenneth Dixon. Uh, he's going to miss several weeks uh, because of a knee. Dixon missed 20 uh, of a possible 33 games last year due to suspension. He was a guy that I had sort of high hopes on. He, you know, he, um, he came in as a rookie a couple of years ago, really played well, and then of course he was suspended, injured last year, so he missed a whole season last year, and then now he's injured again with the knee. Uh, he did run. He did have 13 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown in garbage time, which is, you know, even though the defenses are lacked during garbage time, that's still still pretty well done. Um, field rushing line against week one. Uh, so now look for Alex Collins who fumbled the ball again last week, and he's been known to fumble the ball. So. Uh, the door was starting to get open again for Kenneth Dixon, who, who as I mentioned, I had high hopes for. Uh, now it's going to be the Alex Collin, Buck Allen show. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you know, you see those two rotate until Kenneth Dixon can come back after a few weeks. And then the irreplaceable Aaron Rodgers, who I thought was done for the season, um, uh, it was Sunday night football. Uh, he did not practice Wednesday, and it's still day to day. I'm not too worried at this point either about Rodgers. Mike McCarthy said Rodgers will work off the side with rehab group at practice, and the quarterback remains day to day with team taking a day to day approach. We'd be surprised if Rodgers doesn't start week two against the Vikings, but we'll have to wait and find out. Yeah, we two against the Vikings. Even if he does play, that's gonna be a tough matchup for 
for him. He's an also a must start regardless of of who he's playing against. But still, I definitely temper expectations for him. That defense from Minnesota uh, is just dominating. So we'll see, you know. But uh, I don't expect a whole lot from Aaron Rodgers right now. I call 250 yards. Uh, no, I'll go 280 with, I want to say two, but I'm going to go with one touchdown. So, yeah, it's not going to be a great day for, for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey practiced in individual drills on Wednesday. Uh, it's, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, he may be limited destination for Wednesday's practice, however, Jeffrey himself admitted that Thursday that he's still a few weeks away from returning. It's highly doubtful he plays week two. He's not going to play week two. I can probably tell you that right now. Against the Bucks, Nelson Aguilar will be a solid wide receiver too. And definitely he's going to get targets, um, probably in a high-scoring game. So here's a good opportunity if, if you have PPR, flex, uh, wide receiver two, Type position that you might have a little wiggle room for and you want to see, you know, if you can trust someone like Nelson Aguilar in your lineup, this would be a great opportunity to put him in there. Uh, that way, you, as I said, you can get some confidence from, from feeling like um, he can, he's going to do well against the Bucks defense, as we saw against the Saints, you know, just not very good. And, I think Aguilar is going to have a pretty good size day. The 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 main thing that I'm I'm interested to see is if he can get into the end zone because that's going to make all the difference, of course. But I, I definitely see him catching anywhere up from the seven to ten passes, and probably averaging eleven to twelve yards per catch. So you're looking at seven for like eighty. Um, maybe a little less, seven for 78, something to that effect. Um, and if you can get in, then you're looking at a pretty healthy day. So, uh, as I said, if you have that, that opening, um, definitely plug him in there. The, the Eagles have already confirmed that Nick Foles will start week two. Uh, Peterson confirmed that against the Bucks. Not a surprise at all. It's Carson Wentz still has yet to be cleared for contact. Still hasn't been clear for contact, says a whole lot. Uh, Foles was dreadful in the opener. He was going 19 for 34 for just 117 yards and interceptions. But the Eagles still escaped with the win. This is good on paper matchup, but Foles can be trusted no more than quarterback two. Yeah, um, as much as I have faith in Nelson Aguilar to perform well, it's sort of the opposite for Nick Foles. But just that defense alone, you know, he's obviously someone that is an up-and-down quarterback. I mean, he, he was at the highest pinnacle of his career last year, taking him to the playoffs and winning and then, you know, coming into this season. He, he's just not a consistent, well-delivered quarterback. He, you're just going to have to deal the ebbs and flows with him and – Given this opportunity, we'll really see. If he, now, if he stinks up the joint like he did last week against the Falcons, then there's definitely a cause of concern. But 
I think he's going to do all right. I think definitely, as as Rotorol calls it, a number two. I can definitely um, deal with a number two. I think that's that's pretty pretty right on there. Fournette um, expects to sit on Wednesday. Uh, he's so he's so up up in the air as well. Fournette's hamstring pull has been described as minor. But missing practice is obviously a concern. TJ Yeldon was the hot waiver wire pickup of the week and will be on the running back 2-3 radar. Fournette is able unable to play. Uh, yeah, that, that to me is also an up in, up in the air situation. If he's not 100%, I, I don't see them playing him playing. And unfortunately, with Fournette, you're going to have this situation almost on a weekly on a weekly basis just because of his injury history and it's an ugly one dating back all the way from his college years. So yeah, when you drafted him, you, you drafted him definitely for the production when he's on the field. The problem is, is him staying on the field. He's, he's like Jordan Reed. You, you love him when he's on that field, but you just count the minutes before he just goes down and, as we saw week one, there he goes, goes down after having a solid game. So we'll see how he does in the next uh, few days. Like I said, pay attention to Saturday's practice. If he's if he's practicing Saturday, then he's definitely probably going to play. If he's not practicing on Saturday, then he's definitely probably not going to play. So look for that practice. If it's practice Saturday, yes go with it. If it's not a practice Saturday, then I would look elsewhere. Hopefully you have TJ Yeldon, um, his handcuff. If not, then whatever options you have, of course, better than having nothing at all. Devontae Adams um, did not practice today. It's undisclosed. Probably just rest. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Uh, Barry, Eric Barry, uh, he'll remain silent on Wednesdays. He's still not practicing yet. Uh, he missed week one, and the Chiefs were getting shredded over the top of the defense, but the Chargers' pass catchers couldn't catch the ball. Barry remains day-to-day. His absence would be felt against the Steelers in week two for sure. Uh, he's one of the best um, IDB players, cover corners there is, so um, safeties, you know. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how he uh, – Response, but at this point, it doesn't look good if he hasn't practiced yet. So, week two might be another down week for him, but we definitely want to see how he does later on in the weeks. Um, so far, let me see if there's any other kind of news that we can talk about. We only have a few more minutes here. I'm I'm only going to do a, a 40 minute, a 20 minute to 30 minute show. So uh, Cameron Meredith uh, was healthy week one, um, inactive because he missed so much time in training camp, which is, you know, makes sense coming off that tore tore up knee that he has. Payne said Meredith will still need to work on the timing of the offense. Remains to be seen if Meredith will be up and active this week against Cleveland. 
but he obviously cannot be trusted in fantasy at the moment. Austin Carr made the start and remains head of Meredith at wide receiver. Expect Carr to to keep doing that until um, it's, you know, time for Meredith to, to play. I think Meredith definitely has some great value for late in the year uh, and definitely dynasty value. But as far as how how it is at this moment right now, yeah, there's not much. As we know, Le'Veon Bell still MIA. Uh, so Wednesdays are always going to be the day to watch for Bell. As that's the day of the week, game prep begins. Bell's holdout doesn't appear to have an end in sight. Vanishing owners can all only sit and wait. James Conner will get another start um, off his huge week one. As overall, running back two against the Browns, he gets even a better matchup against Kansas City. So, you know, Connor should blow it up again. You have two two great weeks in a row. So, you Connor owners definitely want to get him in there. Um, T.J. Watt was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Obvious, he just was all over the place, recording four sacks blocking a field goal in overtime. Um, he's he's uh, more than halfway to his rookie year sack total. He's uh, he's just – T.J. Watt is J.J. Watt. Uh, they're, they're raising their brothers. <laughs> um, they're both just outstanding defensive players, and there's no wonder why uh, T.J. Watt – is going to be a stud. Now, the only thing that you're probably hoping for um, as a Watt owner um, is that he's not injury as much injury as J.J. Watt is. So um, the play on the field, they're definitely similar. Let's just hope he avoids the injury situation as well. On the NSC side, Harrison Smith was named the Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, All-Pro Smith picked up right where he left off last season in the opener, recording a couple of tackles for loss, getting to Jimmy Garoppolo on third down, stealing the win with an interception, and recovering an Alfred Morris fumble at the goal line. Smith is the best safety in the game when healthy, and there's no doubt about that. Jonathan Hankins might find a, a new home. He visited the Raiders on Wednesday, according to Adam Schefter, the Raiders want to sign Hankins, who's only 26, but has, he's had a very quiet market and the, and release from the Colts, which was surprising. Um, but I think that more had to do with the fact that the defense didn't fit him. So by switching their defense, they sort of eliminated Hankins from the, from the, the contract that he signed with them. But, uh, and also interesting is that he's also visited multiple teams and hasn't come away with contract yet. So that's interesting. Um, veteran minimum deals aren't guaranteed after week one. So he, he, you know, that's a good thing. He, he might, he'll probably get signed now that he, he won't have to get paid so much money. Um, but he's definitely going to want somewhere near that, that level. And, Rightfully so. He deserves it. So let's hope he gets what he deserves um, and finds a team that he fits in well with. Kenny Stills. um, uh, Ryan Tannehill praised Kenny Stills, saying he has a lot of trust in him. 
yeah, for sure. Um, uh, he's a vertical threat. He showed that again. Uh, Jay said there's going to be more underneath and there's going to be more as far as receptions per game go to where maybe instead of four catches, 400 yards, it might be end up like seven or eight catches where there might be a couple of shorter throws in there. Town and Hill said he knows exactly what to do. He's able to kind of lead, lead that room. Stills was a third on Miami with five, with week five, with five week one targets, but obviously the most of his damage was with a four one Oh six, two line. He'll have a shot at his first 1000 yard season. If steady progression continues. Yeah. If they start using Kenny Stills underneath, uh, wow, that's going to be Kenny Stills could be the steal of the draft because we all know what he can do deep and, if he can mix in some underneath passes and like Kenny Galladay last week who caught seven passes, if he, if, if Steels can do that, uh, you know, on a more, more weekly basis, woo, look out. Uh, CJ Prosize is going to be moved to, or is talking about being moved to wide receiver, which I think is a good, good thing. I mean, he's buried on that running back depth chart. Uh, he only played six snaps. But he's so talented. He's just, uh, and he's a great receiver. So he catches so many great balls. So if he can learn to run a route and and can push off and not get jammed up on the line of scrimmage, there that might be something. Um, especially if he gets a running back wide receiver, sort of like a Ty Montgomery, where they switched him from wide receiver to running back. He had a both uh, both roles. Maybe C.J. Prosize could be sort of that Ty Montgomery kind of guy where he goes from, instead of wide receiver to running back, he goes from running back to wide receiver. That will be interesting to to see how that all works out. Um, poor Deshaun Jackson, after having such a great game last week, uh, Greg Allman reports that he's dealing with concussion um, and a shoulder injury. Almond calls Jackson a major question mark for week two against the Eagles. DJ absolutely lit up the Saints. He did in the opener to the tune of five catches for 146 yards and two touchdowns. Finishing as overall number three for the week one behind Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill. Chris Godwin is expected to soak up against Philly. And that would be interesting to see how Chris Godwin actually does uh, if he gets that opportunity because he's one of those players that are on a lot of dynasty radars. And I own him in a couple dynasty leagues and just waiting for that opportunity to expose itself so we could see if that talent that Godwin has is for true or or it's just, you know, doesn't pop. We'll see either way. Uh, unfortunately, Doug, Doug Baldwin uh, might be out a couple of weeks. Uh, Pete Carroll said, let's see what happens. We'll wait and see. Carroll indicated he wasn't expecting Baldwin to play Monday night against the Bears on the following week. Against the Cowboys, placing his recovery timetable around the initial. Expect the two- to four-week mark. Keenan Reynolds was called from the practice squad to replace Baldwin in the interim. So make sure you do not have Doug Baldwin in your lineups uh, as he's probably going to miss a few weeks 
Orleans Darqua uh, visited the Patriots on Tuesday. Uh, free agent Charles Sims and wide receiver Brandon Tate also worked out for New England. The Patriots made a splash in the market, already signing former first-round Corey Coleman, Vinny Fowler, and Kenyon Barner to replace the, the lot of Riley McCarron, Chad Hansen, and Jeremy Hill. Man, that was tough on Jeremy Hill. I was expecting a lot of things, good things from Hill being in that Patriot uniform, and then unfortunately he tears his ACL. Uh, and as it said, it's surprising Darkwa hasn't found a home yet, and I totally agree with that. He really had a good year. He's shown that he he's has a strong potential, and for him not to be on his team is kind of surprising. So I definitely agree with that uh, remark. Um, as far as Martavis Bryant goes, the Raiders signed him to a one-year contract. Uh, Tom Placero was first to report the Raiders closing in on a new deal for Bryant. It's an unexpected chain of events as Bryant is still facing possible year-long suspension for violating the league substance abuse policy. Derek Carr did not complete only five passes uh, to receivers out of 42 dropbacks um, in the Raiders' week one loss to the Rams. So it's possible Coach John Gruden wants to add spread to this field by any means necessary. Bryant, who was cut by the Raiders only 10 days ago, is expected to suit up and play on Sunday. Yeah, he should play on Sunday. I mean, he spent the whole summer with them, so there shouldn't be any any setbacks. So he's only been, like, missed a week or two. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Bryant does. The Raiders definitely need someone to open up that offense, and Bryant is, is someone that can do that. So um, best of luck to him. Hopefully he stays sober and whatever kind of, situation he is in now as far as um, facing a possible year-long suspension for violating substance abuse policy. Again, um, I don't understand these players. They make millions and millions of dollars be on the stage of football and adored by fans and just have everything they, they'd ever want and they rather go smoke a joint. <laughs> Me. Um, it's not even addictive. I would be like, okay, yeah, a guy fell into uh, into a favor with an addictive drug, and, you know, um, but it's not even addictive, and yet these guys can't get away from it. It, it just shows you where their priorities are. Uh, it just, these guys don't have their, their mind straight. They, you know, these people who would rather go smoke some some bush, you know, because basically that's what it is. It's a weed. Uh, that's why they call it weed. You can't uh, restrain themselves from it and and throw away their whole career. In any career. I'm not even talking about football. I'm talking about any career. Uh, it's, it's just totally irresponsible. It's You have a job, and you're, you're going to lose out. I mean, even this, what I'm doing right now, um, if I was banned from blog talk radio because I showed up stoned um, and given a warning, you know, why why would why would I just not care and just go, okay, well, as long as I have my joint and I'm fine, I don't really care about life because, you know, all I care about is getting high. You know, it's just, that's my rant, but, 
Yeah, I don't I don't get it. And no, making it making it legal in the NFL is not the right answer either. Good Lord, just because people are having problems, let's make it easy. Let's make it legal so players can play while stoned. No. Uh, only 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 people who smoke the joint think that way. I'm so sorry, you know, but it's serious. It's it's like I, I don't know how many people who smoke marijuana tell me, well, just make it legal. That way they can play stoned. No. I mean, football's dangerous as it is. We don't need players out there stoned off their freaking butt. Um, anyways, um, Raiders coach John Gruden gave Derek Carr a vote of confidence. Not that he has any choice, but to give Derek Carr a vote of confidence because there's really no other player out there involved that is going to be Derek Carr's quarterback. He started off great. I mean, he looked like Derek Carr from the playoff season, but then the, the bricks came tumbling down. Um, Derek Carr is going to be great. This is what Gruden says. Derek Carr is going to be great. I can't wait to get started and get ready for the Broncos. Knowing how good Derek is, it gives us hope that we can get it all solved. Carr actually got off to a strong start against the Rams, completing 20 of 24 passes. 199 yards in the first half, but as I said, complete meltdown after the break, tossing a pair of unspeakably bad interceptions. Carr was feeling the pressure that wasn't there and seemed scared to throw deep. Wow, sounds like his brother. Um, it definitely sounds like his brother. It was concerning to watch. Things are not going to get easier against Von Miller and the Broncos, and no, they will not. Uh, John Gruden said it was going to be easier than done to spark Amari Cooper going forward. Wow. Uh, Cooper had a dreadful week one, catching one of three targets for nine yards while adding a nine-yard brush. Gruden actually did his best to get Cooper going against the Rams, breaching out of him out of the slot 45% of the time. That's compared to 21% a season ago. Derek Carr's struggles aren't helping busting Cooper's Deepening slump is going to be extra difficult against the Broncos' stout secondary in week two. As I said, and I've been saying, and I keep, will keep saying, Amari Cooper is not a number one receiver. He is a number two guy, a good, solid number two guy. He is not a number one. I don't know when people are going to finally give in to saying, okay, Cooper is not what we think he is or thought he was. And every year... It's the same song every year. He He's going to do it this year. We got Gruden. He's going to be awesome. You know? No, he's not. He's, he's, he's a good number two receiver. I guarantee you by the end of this year, Jordy Nelson will outcatch Amari Cooper. Said it in the beginning of the year. I said it three years ago. That Michael Crabtree would would play outplay Amari, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper does a great job of getting player getting the secondary to double him up or get help. So at least that second guy like Michael Crabtree or Jordy Nelson alone on one on one coverage. So when you have that, then you have the open field war where the routes can be run. Michael Crabtree and Jordan Nelson are great route runners. So they're going to take advantage of those situations. So why isn't Derek Carr going to go to them if they're open? Of course he's going to go to them. 
I'm not saying that Jordy Nelson and Michael Crabtree are better wide receivers. They're not. Amari Cooper is, is better than, than both of them. Um, you know, um, so it's, it's not has to do with talent. It just has to do with the fact that Amari Cooper draws the double, the double teams and is not good enough to break through that. He's not good enough to, to overcome the double teams. He's good enough to to do some of the work and put up great stat lines. He's he's going to put up he's going to catch um, you know one week he's going to catch five passes for 198 yards and score two touchdowns. He's going to do that, but it's going to be once every five weeks. Those other four weeks that he's going to be doing one for one for three, uh, you know, for 40 yards. If you know. Maybe not even that many yards, but you get what I'm saying. It, it it's just something that Amari uh, Amari Cooper is just not a Des Bryant. He's not someone um, that's going to bust through double coverages. He he's just not talented enough. So until they get someone that can reach sort of that level or just underneath, like if they had a Jordy Nelson three years ago right, then Amari Cooper would be probably one of the better receivers in the NFL. You would have the stat lines to show it. But because Jordy Nelson is no longer a threat and because Michael Crabtree wasn't a threat, then there's no need to worry about how to man up on those receivers. And, you know, it's just the way it is. So he's still young. I think he's only like 20, 24 something, if, if that. Let's see how old he is. Uh, yes, he's 24. Uh, just an amazing, talented, young uh, seven. He's got at least, if he stays healthy, another seven, eight years uh, to go. And there's that's what makes him so pleasing to a, a dynasty owners. And he's been dropping in redrafts. Uh, he, he's gone from a second to a third, now fifth round receiver. He's probably going to draft even more, but he does bring in some, some good solidarity in a dynasty league where, Hey, he's only 24. He does. Okay. You know, and we're going to keep him around. For another eight years. Well, yeah, that's that's a lot of value in that. But he's definitely not the number one receiver or the number two guy anymore in dynasty leagues. You'd be lucky if he's the number five guy anymore, in my my opinion. Um, so that'll do it for the show today. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You can follow me at RFL Red Zone, uh, and then next week we might have two of the brothers instead of just the one. Uh, So everybody out there, you have a great day, and we will talk to you soon. See you on the other side.